love him. Few people know that uh, Jim Mora was uh, Peyton Manning's first coach's rookie year, and the Colts went an amazing 3-13. and They only won three games. They were horrible. They were the bottom dwellers. They were uh, just horrendous to watch. Um, but Jim Mora and also uh, Jim Ursay, who uh, is the owner of the Colts, had this dream that one day they were going to be a championship-level team, that they would fight for Super Bowls. But if you ask people in 1998 when you could get a ticket anytime you wanted, they were giving tickets away to go see him. Uh, no one would have believed that. And they would have never thought that uh, they would have come to be anything. They couldn't even beat a fair college team, you know what I mean? Let alone a pro team. But uh, Mora and uh, Jim Irsay had this dream. Now, uh, Mora didn't last long enough uh, to make it. He got fired not too long after that. But another guy of character came in named Tony Dungy. And uh, he built the dream. And Caldwell took it on. And before long, all of a sudden, you began to see a team that uh, won a Super Bowl. And they began to start uh, becoming one of the elite franchises and organizations in the NFL. And this past year, uh, they went to the playoffs nine consecutive years in a row, tying the Cowboys. And uh, I mentioned the Colts not just because of being the Colts, but because of what a dream can do, folks. A dream that back in 98, when the stadium was empty and no one was there, and you know what, today, you can't hardly get a ticket for face value. You always have to go online and pay for something else. But it all started with a dream. A dream that a rookie quarterback who went uh, 3-13 and would somehow one day uh, become a champion. But it would have never happened without a dream. Now, becoming one of the best NFL franchises, I guess, is a, is a good dream to have, but it is not the best dream. You see, the best dreams in life are the dreams that God gives to you directly. They're God-given dreams. And God has a dream for every single person in this place, for you, for your family, and for this church that we call the jar. And the Bible says this. Let's read this passage of Scripture together. God, by His mighty power at work within us, is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. God is able to do, what's it say? Far more than you could ever imagine, that you could ever dare to think of, to ask, to ever even dream of. And as we enter into uh, JAR 2.0, the, the reality is that the JAR has always been a dreaming church. A church that dreamed big dreams. And uh, now we're getting ready to enter a new season as we enter into 2.0. Now, I'm, I'm a horrible person when it comes to computers. I know how to turn it on, and I know how to do this. Mikey! And then uh, Mikey... Uh, comes and he uh, fixes my computer. He deals with all of that in our office. But uh, I'm told that, you know, with these uh, computer software programs like Microsoft Word and, and others, that once they have one version, once it gets 
uh, faster and quicker and more user-friendly. They change it. And so there were versions of like 1.0 and then 2.0 and 3.0. And in the same way, the jar now is going into a new season, a new version from 1.0 to 2.0. And we're entering it and we're expecting God to do some cool and amazing things just like he's done in the past six and a half years. Now, last week, I talked about jar 1.0, the birth of the jar when the seed was initially planted. And in jar 1.0, we had this dream that we wanted to become a church that breaks the mold. And uh, I think there'll be a billboard that comes up here that we use, but uh, we wanted to be that kind of church. That kid's a lot older now, but uh, that's when we were one. And then uh, we wanted to become a church that had some particular things that we focused in on. Here's one of them. Uh, we wanted to be a place where there was relaxing music, uh, a relaxing atmosphere and cool music, a fun children's program, practical teaching, and real people. And we dreamed of a church that would be an accept- accepting community that would love people into a relationship with Jesus and others. And we had this dream that the church would be about 225 people uh, at the end of kind of this six-year, seven-year run. And uh, we're at, last week we had 250 people here. Now, that was a seven-kind-of-year vision, a dream. And the problem was that in year five, we began to hit those numbers, but uh, we just kind of stayed there for the last 18 months. And the reason is, is because the dream had already been met, but God was asking us to do something bigger and greater for Him and for His community. And so I realized that, and so this summer, I spent a couple of days at a retreat center uh, where I just tried to listen to God's voice and to hear what was the dream that He wanted for the jar. And so I fasted and I prayed for 30 hours. Got nothing. Only thing I got was a headache and a stomach that was growling all the time. And I was like in the 30th hour going, God, I love these people, but I'm not feeling well right now. You need to come through. And then in the next six hours, God really began to reveal to me and show to me part of the dream that he has for this church. And the first thing that, he, that I sensed him prompting me was he said, your dream is too small. That was your dream, Chris, JAR 1.0. But now I'm going to give you my dream. And I'm going to stretch you and I'm going to stretch the church because time is short. And we need to be a church that is on the move. And over the next six hours, like I said, God begins to reveal some things, and I started getting scared. Scared to death. I was like, are you serious? I can't do this. But I went ahead and I shared the dream with some people who are my mentors, who are more spiritually mature than me. And I shared it with some key leaders in the church, and they helped me discern. And all of a sudden, I really sensed that these were the things that God really was calling me to do. And folks, today I believe more than ever that God wants us to dream bigger and more than we've ever dreamed before. And the dream that I'm going to share with you right now is JAR 2.0. And here it is. It'll come on the screen. The vision of the JAR is to dream of a place where we embrace the outcast, encourage the broken, and empower the poor. 
It is a dream of becoming an outward fo- being outward focused as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with thousands of residents in Muncie, Delaware County, and all of East Central Indiana. It is a dream of 800 partners growing together in spiritual maturity through small groups as we serve together, worship together, play together, and live together. It is a dream of having a healing center that provides free medical care, counseling, job coaching, and a food pantry to help join in God in the holistic healing. It is a dream of having 200 people a part of a recovery programs. It is a dream of having a growing, effective children's and student ministry with a summer camp experience connected to it. It is a dream to have a transportation ministry that helps the least of these have transportation to worship the Most High God in our community. It is a dream of sending out hundreds of people out on short-term missions all around the world. It is a dream of starting at least one new daughter church. It is a dream of having our own building on 20 acres of land. And today, folks, I stand here believing full confidence that this dream will become a reality. And do you know why I believe that? Because it's God-inspired. It's not about Chris. It's not about the leadership team. It's not about the people or who are here right now. But it's about a God who loves for us to dream bigger. And it is. It's inspired by Him. And folks, I really believe those words in the Bible. And uh, some of you said it fairly well, but let's try to read this a little bit better this time. Uh, In Ephesians. Let's read it together. God, by His mighty power at work within us, is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. You know, everything that becomes anything in this world starts with a dream. And if you're going to be a part of this church, and especially if you're going to be a leader in this church, you've got to be a dreamer. Someone who is willing to dream and believe in God for things that are greater than where your life is right now. Because this is a church that has been on the go, and we are going to go now. We always want to reach out to others. We're always open and willing to try new and different things so that people who are far from God can be loved and cared for. And most of all, the reason we do things is because we want to please God. The Bible says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith begins when, stretch, when we begin to stretch our imagination. Faith begins when we begin visualizing the invisible. Because we cannot accomplish the impossible until we start begin to envision the invisible. Faith begins, folks, when you catch a dream, when you hold on to a vision. And that's what we're going to do. Now the reality is, God has given every single person in this room today gifts and talents. There is no ungifted person in this place. In fact, without your gifts, without your talents that are present here, this dream will never become a reality. Because God uses people to meet His dreams. That's how He's always done it. He's used people that He wants to use to fulfill His dreams. And I want you to know this, that the JAR 2.0 is not a me dream, okay? It's a we 
dream. If I tried to do this on my own, I would get nowhere because I'm not gifted or talented enough. Many of you are much more gifted and talented than I am in certain areas, and we will need those gifts and those talents. And God has brought you here to help fulfill His dream. Now, for the rest of the time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go through some steps that you can do in your own life of how you can dream bigger for your life, for your family, and for your church. And I'm going to break down kind of the different pieces of the dream. And when you leave today, you'll get a piece of paper that will have all of the dream kind of connected to it. I just knew that if I gave it to you right now, all of you would be like this. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> because you've got to realize this too, folks. Whenever you dream something, you know what there are? There are dream busters. Kind of like uh, your friends, your family, other people. They love to bust your dreams. And so, I didn't want you to bust my dreams today, okay? But I really want you to know that I believe this, and I think we're going to see it happen within my lifetime. Now, when I first started the JAR, I had this dreaming process, just like uh, I did when this JAR 2.0 came. And these are kind of the steps that God has given me to kind of expand my mind to think bigger like He thinks. And both times, I want you to know this, that the dream was not very clear up front. I got kind of a Polaroid vision. Any of you have one of those Polaroid cameras before? You know, the, it, you take the picture, and then it slowly comes out, and then you look at it, and you're like, oh, God, that's horrible. And then pretty soon it gets a little bit clearer, and a little bit clearer, and then over time you, you finally see it. Well, that's the way dreams are, and that's the way vision is. I know very few people, because I'm not one of them, in which there is a direct hotline to God. Hey, God, give me your dream vision. <laughs> And there it is. It doesn't happen that way. Most of the time, what happens is it takes a long period of time. And for me, it took months, uh, both for uh, you know starting the church and now for JAR 2.0. But God wants us to live by faith. So sometimes you don't get it all on the Polaroid right at first. You have to wait until it decides to show you the picture. And so I want to go through some steps that help me in this process. The first step to uh, having a uh, kind of dreaming perspective is to open your mind to God. To open your mind to God. Now, in order to do this, folks, you have to be quiet. You've got to schedule time to be silent by yourself. And for some of us, especially me, being an introvert, that's very... or extrovert. Some of you are like, introvert? Yeah, right. Uh, my wife is. But I, it's really difficult for me. And God often can't give us a dream because we won't shut up. We just are constantly on the go. And we've got to step back and just listen. The Bible says this, It is the Lord who gives wisdom. Folks, wisdom does not come from yourself. And wisdom does not come from a self-help book. Although you might read it front to cover and get some wise things. Wisdom, true wisdom, only comes from God. You get it when you're quiet. Psalm 46 says this, Be still and know that I am God. 
You see, there's something about knowing God and being still that you can't really know God unless you're still. Because in the still moments, that's when God speaks the loudest. Have you ever noticed that before? When you're still, that that's when you sense God being present, being near you in the midst of that. Now, do people ever hear God wrong? Absolutely. People have heard God wrong many times and have done horrible things. And often it's because people have this kind of thing. They come to God and they say, God, I have this dream, I have this goal, I want you to bless it. That's a wrong way to ever do it. You begin by saying, God, watch your dream. Watch your dream for my life. So instead of saying, God, bless what I'm doing, we need to be able to say, Lord, help me to do what you're blessing. Whatever it is that you're blessing, I want to be a part of that. What you're doing, God, I want to join you in that. Because this is the truth. God has not promised to bless everything and whatever you do. Now the question that you want to ask in this step is this. What is God's will? If you're dreaming for your life, for your family, uh, you want to ask, you know, what's your will for our family? When I sat down seven to eight years ago, before I knew anyone in this room except my wife, um, I, uh, I asked that question. I said, God, what's your will for my life? What's your will for uh, what you want me to do? And I sensed he wanted me to start a church. And over a three-month uh, process, God finally just simply kind of impressed this upon me. He said, Chris, I want you to start the church in Muncie and never question it again. Now, you know what I, where I wanted to plant it? In a large urban area. In fact, I went to Phoenix, Arizona. I went to talk to people who were thinking about starting a church in Northern California. I went down to Louisville and fasted and prayed for a long period of time and uh, went to Indianapolis. Because if you want to, to have a mega church, which was what my dream was, that you need to go to those places where there's large population. But God was very clear on this. Plant the church, Chris, in Muncie. And that's all I had. I had no idea what the church would look like, who would come, who wouldn't come, what the vision would be. I had no idea except to start it here. Now, 2010 was a difficult year for me personally. It almost felt like there was a storm I was going through. In 2009, I was going into the storm. 2010, uh, I was uh, in the storm. And as this year comes, I'm out of the storm, and I'm looking towards what God's doing next. But there was a lot of transition in staff. There was a lot of transition just in my life. Loved ones on my uh, parents' side uh, and uh, my wife's parents' side had died, and we had dealt with a lot of grief. And I'm in the midst of this entire storm, and uh, I'm just like, God, what's going on? And uh, it was in April. Actually, it was April Fool's Day. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, I was like, oh, it's April Fool's. I know, God, I'm a fool. Believe me, I'm a fool. You ever feel like that before? And uh, I remembered this passage of Scripture. It will come up on the board. We are fools for Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. And it just hit me, for about 18 months, I'd been playing the fool. 
I had not been foolish for Christ. I had just been foolish. Thinking that the church was about me. Thinking that uh, it was all about numbers and how we could grow and do this and do the other thing. And I had a foolish will. But I hadn't really sought God's will. I hadn't asked for His dream, for His vision. And I just got this sense, though, that in the midst of the storm, that God wanted me to dream bigger. Not to, like, get all in my little, you know, isolated self, but to dream and ask Him, God, what do you want to do in this storm? And I was looking at it this week. Uh, I journal uh, regularly, and this was April Fool's Day. I started it that way. April Fool's Day. Will I be a fool for you? I have tried to be a control freak for me. So now I choose to be a fool for you. Oh God, you decide what you want to do in my life. Whatever you say, I'll obey. Show me more of your will and your way. I give to you the jar. It's your church. You do what you want. I will watch. You put it together. But increase my faith, God, to believe you even if I don't see it. You lead, and I will follow. And all of a sudden, the dream started coming. And jar 2.0 kind of came, and here's the first part of it. The vision of the jar is to dream of a place where we embrace the outcast, encourage the broken, and empower the poor. It is a dream of being outward focused as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with thousands of residents in Muncie, Delaware County, and all of East Central Indiana. Now, in many ways, folks, the jar 1.0 is just, uh, 2.0 is just a continuation of that. In many ways, this Part of the dream we've already been doing. I give you a hand. You're doing good. We are reaching out. We're showing God's love to people that we can. To let people know that this is a place where they belong. That they're loved. They're cared for. We're doing that and we'll continue to do that. And the reason we do that, folks, is because people matter. People matter to God. And because people matter to God, they have to matter to us. And if they matter to us, then we should give our lives for people. You see, the only thing that's going to uh, outlast your life is the relationships and the investment you have in other people. And so it's the greatest investment that I know and I've given my life to, to invest in people. And we constantly express our love to them. And then, a couple weeks later, I was reading the Bible when this passage just came. I didn't look it up. It was just part of my daily reading in my two-year Bible. And these words came from Jesus. He says in Mark 4, Listen, a farmer went to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on a shallow soil with underlying rock. The plant sprang up quickly, but it soon wilted beneath the hot sun and dried because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. Other seeds fell among the thorns that shot up and choked out the tender blades so that it produced no grain. Still others fell on fertile soil and produced a crop that was 30, 60, 
and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. And then Jesus said, anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. And I remember sitting there after reading that going, God, I'm willing. I'm listening. Tell me, how can I understand this passage? And then the scripture goes on. It says, the farmer I talked about is the one who brings God's message to others. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the message, but then Satan comes at once and takes it from them. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But like the young plant in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. At first they get along fine, but they wilt as soon as they have problems or are persecuted because they believe the word. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the good news. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire of nice things, so no crop is produced. But the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's message and produce a huge harvest, 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. And I looked at that passage and I thought, that's personally... For each one of us. That each one of us uh, choose what kind of soil we're going to be a part of. And then we produce fruit. And some of us produce it 30, 60, or 100 fold. But then I thought the reality is that there are churches that are the same way. That there are some churches that when they're planted, they produce 30 fold. Others 60, other 100. And all of a sudden I thought to myself, God, I want and I want to be a part of, and I think the jar wants to be a part of, a hundredfold type of church. You see, we started the jar with six adults and two kids, eight people all together. And so if you were a thirty-fold church, if that's the plant that or the seed that's planted, then you'd be a church of two hundred and forty. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Like I said, we had 250 people last week. If you're a 60-fold church, then you'd be a church of about 480. But if you were a 100-fold church, if you used everything that God gave to be able to reach people for Christ, and you started with 8, at the end of whenever that was, it would be a church of around 800. Now, when God started revealing this to me, I was freaking out. I mean... This is the largest church right now, where we're at right now, that I've ever been a part of. And I was like, uh, uh, God, I can't even hardly do this, let alone a church, you know, that's, that's that size. I mean, I can't do it, God. And God has a way of humbling us, and he kind of sensed the Spirit saying, you're right. <laughs> you can't. You're not gifted enough to do that, Chris. But since that day, I've believed the dream. Like I said last week, uh, I'm never going to be a mega church pastor. But I want to fulfill the dream that God has given to me, and I don't just want to be 30 or 60 at the end of my life, but I want to give everything so that it would be a hundredfold kind of seed that was planted. So the dream reads this way. It is a dream of 800 partners growing together in spiritual maturity through small groups. The only way that we're going to get there, folks, is if people choose to be in small groups. Because the way you grow is getting connected into a small group. If you're not in a small group right now, before you leave today, you should go back to the connections table and say, I want to be a part of a small group. It's the way that you grow. 
and we serve together and we worship together and we play together and we live together. That you can actually have fun in church. That you can enjoy, that you can smile. Look at the person beside you, smile. Some of you look real serious right now, you know. And at the end of the summer, that's all I had, was kind of this first sentence and then this other thing. And I went off and I prayed and I discerned more. And I sought some advice. And that's the second thing you have to do if you're going to dream bigger. You start asking advice. You start asking advice. The Bible says this, the more advice you get, the more likely you are to win. And in Proverbs 20:18, it says, get good advice and you will succeed. This is what I've learned in life. It's wise to learn from your experience. But you know what's even wiser? Learning from other people's experience, right? And uh, that's the truth. Because, frankly, I don't have time to make all the mistakes myself in life. I have to learn, if I have to learn everything by trial and error, folks, I'll never get anything done. I've got to be wiser and to learn from the mistakes of other people so that I don't mess up in those ways. And so often when I get around somebody who is doing things that I want to do in my life that I want to get better at, I begin by asking them questions like this. What things have worked out best for you? What failed? What was the greatest failure in your ministry? What would you do differently? What can I learn from you? What would you say, don't do this, it's a dead end? And you learn from those kind of things as you seek God and you ask for advice from other people. The Bible says this, the intelligent man is always open to new ideas. In fact, he looks for them. And so the question you want to ask here is, who else could help? Who else could help? If you have a dream for your family, who else can help you in the midst of that? Many times in my life, I come to a crossroad. I'm sure you do too. And I have two choices to make. Either I can go off and do things on my own, or I can ask for help. Now when it comes to my marriage, most of the time I go off and do things my own way. I'm sure you're like that too. Folks, to fulfill your dream, you're going to have to humble yourself and ask other people. You've got to be teachable, moldable. Because the best leaders are learners. I mean, I realize that JAR 2.0 will never happen if I try to do it myself. Again, folks, this is not a me dream. This is a we dream. And God will need you and me and all of us working together to fulfill it. Here's the next step of how to dream bigger. Establish some priorities. You establish some priorities. Eight years ago, after I got the sense that uh, I was going to start a church here in Muncie from God, I didn't uh, just automatically think that everything's going to happen now. Up, I'm going to do it. Next week, you know, everybody in Muncie will be there knocking on the door going, we've been waiting for you. You know, it didn't happen like that. So I had to prioritize. And so before our first worship service, I still had the sheet of paper. I had about a hundred things that were listed. We needed somebody to design a logo, not me. We needed someone to get directional signs for people in the Y so they'd know how to get to places. Again, not me. We needed to find someone who could develop mailers. 
Not me. We needed somebody to help with commercials on the radio. Not me. We had to get people to know how to greet my wife. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, we did all these things and we had to be done. We had to prioritize and we expect something to happen. And there has to be some prioritization. In the same way, JAR 2.0 will not just automatically happen. If we just sit back and go, God, let it be, let it be. No, it's not going to happen. We have to prioritize. Now, this is the thing that I love about this stream, folks. There's no timeline. I don't know if it'll take five years. I don't know if it'll take 10 years. I don't know if it'll take 20 years. But for my family and myself, we're committed to be here. In fact, Jennifer and I are are already talking about where we're going to be buried because we want everyone to know we're staying. We're not going anywhere. We're looking for burial plots. It's a real romantic experience, you know. Uh, If you haven't done it yet, you know, try it. And those of you who are single and dating, don't try it. But, uh, you know, anyone else, go for it. But folks, if you're going to dream, you have to think the dream through. You have to have priorities. The Bible says this, an intelligent person aims at wise actions, but a fool starts off in many directions. The key word there is aims. And the question you need to ask yourself here is what is the target? When it comes to your life, to your family, to the church, what's the target? I know we're not going to accomplish this dream this year. I know that's way too big. But we have to set some priorities. And at the end, I'm going to tell you what the two priorities are that we're going to be doing in 2011. The next step to dreaming bigger is evaluate the cost. You evaluate the cost. The Bible says this, It is dangerous to make a rash promise to God before counting the cost. Or Jesus put it this way, But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction of a building without first getting estimates and then checking to see if there is enough money to pay the bills? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of funds. And then, how would then everyone would laugh at you? So a piece of any dream God is, or a piece of any of God's dreams is to evaluate the cost. Because if you don't evaluate it, it'll never be fulfilled. And you need to ask some questions of yourself. Is it necessary? Could I reach this goal any other way? Is there another way to do it? What will it cost? In terms of your time, energy, money, resources? I mean, there is a price tag. Have you ever noticed that? There is a price tag to anything in your life that's valuable. If it's spending time with your kids, there's a price to that. If it's with your marriage, there's a price to that. And finally, is it worth it? And folks, this is the most important question that you have to ask yourself. Is it worth it? So after I got the dream of the JAR Community Church and then the dream of 2.0, I had to ask myself, God, is it worth it? And God said, yeah. And he said, what about you, though? Do you think it's worth it? Do you, Chris, think that it's worth it? Is it worthy of my life? Is it worthy of my investment? And I came down both seven years ago and today as I stand before you, absolutely. I can't think of anything that's more important in life, folks, than investing in people. That's why you're here today, because someone invested in you and you you came. 
And now God wants you to reach out to other people and to show them His love in such a way that says you have to be a part of His faith and His family. 600 people at the end of this stream will come to Christ and will have a place in heaven because we've chosen to dream big. I can't think of anything that's more important, folks, than people to have eternity with God. That's how great the investment is, and that's why we give our resource, time, energy for it to happen. Here's the fifth step you need to take in dreaming bigger. Plan for problems. You plan for problems. The Bible says this, don't go charging into a battle without a plan. Now, I heard Donald Trump uh, say this one time. I expect the best, but I plan for the worst. Now, I don't know what it was with his hair, but he didn't do very well. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, Donald Trump has some wise advice there that I, uh, you know, expect the best, but I plan for the worst. And folks, things are going to go wrong in this dream that I just shared with you. Things will go wrong in your dream if you have a dream for your life or for your family. I mean, it's kind of like Murphy's Law. You know, if anything can go wrong, what? It will go wrong. Just this last week, we were planning for an outreach uh, on the last Saturday of this month. I hope all of you will come. Uh, It's on the 29th of January. We'll talk about it more next week. But we had decided that we were going to go to Lowe's and we were going to pass out coffee free to the workers that came in there just to show God's love. No strings attached. Well, luckily, our uh, outreach planner and I said, and we said, you know what? Just in case we can't do that, let's think of some other alternatives. So we thought about the bus station that's downtown that we could give it to people as they go. Or we thought about getting uh, carts for uh, people at Walmart or at Lowe's. And so this week he went to Lowe's. Uh, he's a businessman, and so he spends a lot of money there, and we thought we had a good end, and he told, yeah, it's sold everything. Guess what? No! You will not be at Lowe's if you're you know, from the jar on the 29th. They said no, so we have to do something else. Folks, never ignore a problem because a problem will never ignore you. It's just a fact that it's going to hang around no matter what. There, and you have to choose the timetable of when you're going to handle these problems, these battles. You see, this is true, folks. Nobody's 100% successful. Nobody. Nobody gets it right all the time. If you think you're going to be 100% successful in your dream or in the dream of the jar, you're just setting yourself up for a big disappointment because you'll fall. I just want you to know this. In JAR 1.0, guess what? There were more things that failed than succeeded. More things that we tried that did not work whatsoever than that actually worked. And we realized, though, that this, this was a reality to me. And I hope it is for some of you. We realized that just because you're, you fail at something, you're not a failure. You see the difference? All of us fail at things, but God doesn't make failures. And if you're doing something for God, even if you fail at it, you're not a failure. Proverbs 22.3 says this, A sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. And the question you have to ask here is, what can go wrong with this dream? Or what will happen if it does. The Bible just says be sensible. It's not about being pessimistic, but be sensible. Here's the sixth step. Be willing to risk 
and face your fears. This is a huge one. Be willing to risk and face your fears. Often the people, often the reason that people don't risk anything is because they haven't faced their fears in life. The Bible says this, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever leans on, trusts in, and puts his confidence in the Lord is safe and set on high. You know, we hate to admit it, folks, but all of us get afraid sometimes. It's not just the boogeyman, you know, that your kids are afraid of, but we all have fears. Every single person here, I guarantee, has had some kind of fear in the last month. We like to pretend that we have it all together and everything's there, but the reality is there's fears in our life. And God says, why don't you just go ahead and admit it, and when you do that, you'll go forward. And friends, I want you to know this. Fear is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of humanity. Every single one of us have fears. And courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is saying, even with these fears, I'm going to go forward. I mean, you never legitimately become courageous unless there's something in front of you that you're scared to death of. Courage never happens by itself. Courage happens because there's a fear. You can't really become courageous unless there's an element of fear. I mean, it doesn't take any courage whatsoever for me to wake up each morning and brush my teeth. But it takes a ton of courage for my wife to kiss me before I've done that, you know? Yeah, and typically, she fights the fear. Okay, Not all the time, but typically. Folks, I've discovered that the only people in life who are truly foolish are those who say, I don't have any fears. People ask me when I started the jar, do you have any fears? And I lied to them. Oh, no, man, I'm good. And then the Holy Spirit worked on my life one time and just made me cry like a baby, and I thought, I'm scared to death. And I am. And as JAR 2.0 came, last night and this morning, the whole time I'm like, what are people going to think? And I'm worried. I was like, okay, you just said last week, don't worry about impressing people. Impress God. And so I was like, okay. Then two minutes later I thought, what are people going to think? You know? But folks, when I think about the responsibility of being a pastor and the fact that God will judge people who teach His Word at a higher standard than anyone else, I get afraid. It scares me. Now, the first two parts of the dream came, and that was scary enough, but then the rest of it came, and here it is. It is a dream of having a healing center that provides free medical care, counseling, job coaching, and a food pantry to help join God in holistic healing. It is a dream of having 200 people a part of a recovery program. It is a dream of having a growing, effective children's and student ministry with a summer camp experience connected to it. It is a dream to have a transportation ministry that helps the least of these have transportation to worship the Most High God in our community. It is a dream of sending out hundreds of people out on short-term missions all around the world. It is a dream of starting at least one new daughter church. It is a dream of having our own building on 20 acres of land. Now, God blessed me by allowing me to marry a doctor. I love her to death. (laughs) But this is what we learned early on when we started the jar, folks. We were not going to be the stereotype doctor, and not all doctors are that way. 
But we were not going to be the stereotype doctor that was going to just make a lot of money, live in a big house, and, you know, do all the country club things. I went to the Delaware Country Club one time, and we're sitting there, and this is way off my schedule, so just, this is free. <laughs> and we're teeing up, and I see on this sign, it says, call the hut, uh, you know, and it gives a number. And I'm thinking it's Pizza Hut. And so I'm like, man... I'm going to join this club. They got Pizza Hut here. And I talked to a physician. I won't tell you who it is. But I tell him, dude, they have Pizza And he goes, that is not Pizza Hut. That is the hut on whole number. I don't even know what it was. And a man will come out and he'll give you drinks. I thought, I don't need that. I just need pizza. But we just decided that we weren't going to hoard our money, that it was all God's anyways, and He gets to do whatever He wants with it. And all of a sudden, some physicians started looking at what we were doing, and they're like, I want to be a part of that. And for some reason, God has collected some physicians and some nurses that, uh, and medical people who are here at the jar. And God sent some people here who are physicians and nurses and medical folks, not just to sit in church, but to actually use your gifts for the glory of God. To take your healing gifts and to heal people in our community. We have social workers and people skilled in job coaching. We have a woman right now who's doing some amazing things for the poverty stricken of just giving free items to them to help them to care for things. We've always been a church who's given away food and non-perishable goods. The dream continues then as God's called us to be a church of recovery ministry. To have a church of people who uh, we care for people who have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Why 200? Because I think 25% of everyone who's in a church is going through a real hurt, habit, or hang-up in their life. It may be more than that, but at least that. And the other reason is, when we first started Celebrate Recovery, you know how many people we had? Two. Chuck Mock and myself. That was it. You take that to a hundredfold, that's easy math. 200 people. It's a dream of a growing, effective children's ministry, student ministry with a summer camping experience connected to it. Some of the most spiritual moments in my life came around a campfire. I don't know how to start a campfire, but some of the most spiritual moments in my life came, and I want our kids to have that same experience where they can go and they can grow closer to God. It's a dream to have a transportation ministry that helps the least of these have transportation to worship the Most High God in our community. One of the biggest failures of our community is that the mitts does not work on Sundays. And so people who are uh, poverty-stricken, they can't go anywhere because they don't have transportation. It's a dream of sending out hundreds of people out on short-term missions all around the world. It said, make disciples of all the world. It's wonderful that we're in Mexico and Appalachia and those things are going great. But God has millions and millions of His kids who are dying of AIDS. Even as we speak right now, people are dying of AIDS. And I can't be a part of a church anymore that will just sit back and allow people to die without doing something. And we have someone who has passion in that area. And I'm looking forward to why we're going to dovetail that in there. It's a dream of at least starting one new daughter church. The way that churches grow, folks, is when we start more churches that meet more people's needs. It's the greatest growth effect that there is. And finally, it's a dream of having our own building on 20 acres of land. Now, I heard some people in rumbling this week, I heard the dream's going to be, you're going to tell us that we bought a church 
Your dream got busted, folks. This is the church. We are the church. If there's anything that I want you to learn from me, it's that the church is not about the building. A building's important, and one day we'll have a building. But it's going to be a journey before we get to 20 acres of land. We might be in a totally different building than this one. There's no way that it would grow and, uh, you know, for us to stay in the white. We can't do it. But it's going to be a journey. But it's reasonable to think that 20 acres would be able to have a healing center and some of the ministries that we want and that God wants most of all. Folks, if we're going to dream, we must be willing to risk. The Bible says this, reverence for the Lord gives confidence and security. That's the whole secret right there. You know that the dream is from God when it gives you confidence, when you're secure in it. Here's the last thing. Do it now. Do it now. The last step of ever dreaming big is you have to do it now. The Bible says this, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. There comes a point in a decision process in which you have to stop talking and start doing. You have to start acting. You have to start believing that God's going to do something great. I mean, there comes a point where you have to say, God's called me to do this, and guess what? I'm going to do it. And like I said, folks, this is not a me dream. This is a we dream. This is something that we're doing together as a team because you're more gifted than I am, and I need your help. And more importantly, God needs your help. Now, how are we going to do it this year? Here's the goals for 2011. The leadership team did a great job of helping me to condense everything down to two things that we're going to do with objectives underneath it. I'm a big person for the big vision, but I need a lot of help to have clarity. And they did a great job. And here it is. We want to, first of all, increase the level of evangelism in the jar. Most of the time when people hear evangelism, they're scared. They're thinking, you need Jesus or you're going to hell. I love you. You know? You wouldn't be at the jar right now, you know what I mean, if, if that were the case. No, it's about showing and sharing God's love to other people. The slogan goes like this. Find the person and show God's love. And here's our objectives. So you can write that in. Find the person, show God's love. Here they are. Invite everyone in the church right now to uh, be a part of the 111. Collect the cards and remind folks monthly to pray for their one person. Develop an avenue for people to share when their person has come to Christ, been baptized. 25 people in 2011 to accept Jesus Christ as Lord, be baptized and connected to a small group, be a part of a small group. 20% increase in Sunday morning attendance. Provide two training opportunities on evangelism through walk across the room, which is a way that you can just do evangelism without being intimidated. One time before Easter, one time before at our campaign. Here's the second goal. Retool, develop, and build better teams in the jar. For far too long, we've been about one person doing a whole big thing, and we want to build teams. Retool, develop, and build better teams in the jar. And here's the slogan. Work together, build the dream. We want to work together to build the dream. And here's the objectives. 
Create a list of gifted people in the church who are good team builders to help build teams. Develop all the teams to have at least three people per team. And finally, 60% of everyone who attends weekly would be a part of some team. Now, we're going to close with a song and a little thing that I have here. I thank you for staying longer, but when you dream, sometimes it goes longer. I'd like you to pull out this card right now. It says 111 on the front of it. It was in your program. And what I'd like you to do is we're going to give you a moment here in just a second to pray and ask God to reveal to you one person who's disconnected from God or the church and to uh, write their name down. And this is how I know. God doesn't always work on our time schedule. So if you don't have a name, don't, don't put Fred just to get, you know, that. But you put your first and your last name and the person you're praying for. And then on the back, we'll give you an opportunity to just kind of pray. And uh, what we'd like you to do, there's some boards that are right over here. Don't put their full name. Just put their first name. But there's some markers there. You can write their name up there. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start praying for those people. See, this is the reality, folks. That some of you are here today because somebody took one of these cards a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and they prayed for you. I was just thinking of a, a family that I had the opportunity to do that. I walked across Subway parking lot and I met a girl named Rachel. And she started giving her life to Christ and got connected to this church. She was one person on the card. She began to start talking to a girl, Caitlin, that she worked with, and Caitlin started coming. And Caitlin talked to her brother, Jeremy, and Jeremy started coming. And Jeremy talked to Wes, and uh, he started coming. And all of a sudden, folks, there's a link in the chain that changes life for eternity. And it's not about me, but it's about the power of prayer. Nothing moves mountains more than prayer. And I have no idea what's going on in your life today, but there's someone in your life that you know who is going through some stuff. They're disconnected. They're hurting from God, and you can pray for them. And so I'd like you to just kind of write that down. We're going to pray here for a second. And then you can put their names right there, and we'll... We'll be praying for them. And uh, the band will kind of uh, lead us in a song at the end if you want to come back. And uh, we'll praise God and thank Him that we would follow Him. Everybody got it? Got it? Got it. Okay, let's pray. Well, Father, we uh, thank You so much uh, for this day. And God, we um, ask that you would help us to understand and uh, to fulfill the dream that uh, you've given to us. Help us to uh, use these steps that we've been given today to seek the person that you desire for us to pray for. We want to attempt 
great things for you. And we expect great things from you. Now, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would uh, guide and uh, direct our time. And uh, God, we ask that this dream would be one in which uh, is all about you and not us. But it is about people's lives. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that uh, you would just come and that we pledge, God, to follow you, whatever it is, and that lives would be changed because we prayed for him this day. We pray this in your name. Amen.
would, uh, the little card that, that you do have, if you can put those in the basket, somebody just told me you didn't tell them that. So uh, I'll have a basket at the front door. Just put that in there, and that will help us uh, to send that back to you. Okay? Have a great week. Know you're loved in this place. Thanks.